All right. Has someone ever broken your trust? Yes? No? All right. All right. So most of us, right, we have stories that you could tell of how someone's broken your trust or how you've broken someone else's trust. You know, like, right, you're, you're murmuring in your soul. Mm, okay? Um, uh, chances are um, that someone in your life has broken your trust. They either did something to you or they didn't follow through with something they said they were going to do or maybe they were caught in a lie and, that tr- and the trust was broken, okay? And this happens with people all the time, and it, here's what it does. It changes the nature of the relationship. Um, and so a lot of us have that. Maybe you've been on either end of that deal. Um, ha- any baseball fans here? Any baseball? Raise your hands. A few baseball fans. Um, I, yeah, um, I like to go, okay, if I can see a baseball game live. But um, maybe you've heard about the Houston Astros uh, sign-stealing scandal. Has anybody heard of that? So a pretty big deal right now in sports world is, is, is coming out that the Houston Astros have been called um, cheating. At Check this, at their home games. They have a camera positioned in center field, and uh, it, it, it can catch this, the, um, the signals that the p- catcher is giving to the pitcher, uh, what pitch to, to throw. And so uh, they're watching this on, on a screen in the dugout, and they're, tell, you know, they're signaling to the batters what pitch is coming. And it turns out it actually helps to know what type of pitch is coming your way, whether it's a fastball or curveball or sinker, what, what a change up. And so um, it's amazing. You can find some stats online at some of the batters of their batting average at home, a little help, right, versus away. It's a big, big difference, okay? And, and here's, here's where all this really gets a little crazy is the dilemma is they were, they were caught cheating and this whole scandal through the 2017 season, all right? Well, that's the year that they won the World Series, and so now there's a debacle in the Major League Baseball. So what, what are they going to do? It's likely they're not going to strip, they won't strip a title from them, but there will always forever, for eternity, be an asterisk beside 2017, right? Why? Trust was broken. They cheated. They did, they did, something, uh, they did something crazy. And, and so all the teams are, are suspicious now of, of this team. And all the, all the players are, are ticked and on edge. And, and really the, the nation at large is, feels a little bit gypped, right? But unfortunately, we've seen this story before, right? And it happens all across the, the board, right? Uh, you think of football. You have Deflate Gate and Spy Gate. And there's, if you, you can Google it, there's tons of many more gates, okay, of, of these scandals of, of, of people cheating. Um, just so that people can get ahead. Like just so people can have uh, uh, an advantage. They'll, they'll, they'll go out of bounds. They'll do something out of bounds just so they can get an edge in their competition, and here's the thing, we do it too all the time. It, it might not impact a nation or multi-million uh, dollar industries, but have you ever lied to someone? Have you ever not told the whole truth to someone? Have you ever um, broken someone's trust? And see, if you lie to someone, that, that might come across as fine until, well, until you're caught, right? That trust is gone, and, and, and you, you will not have the same trust that you had before that went down until it takes a time, uh, a period of time and, and work to rebuild that trust. And, and so maybe it's with uh, your relationship with the spouse or uh, with, with a parent or with a kid or with a friend. And, and here's what happens. It changes uh, the nature of the relationship when the trust is broken. 
know, professional sports team, it might, uh, it might impact the whole nation, but, but for you, it might just be the relationships around you. And it, the nature of the relationships change until the trust can be earned back. Now, I'm talking about trust, this trust stuff, because this is what happens with us and God, okay? This is, this is what happens. We wanted, at some point, what we thought what was best for us, you know? And guess what? We, we were wrong. And so we went against God, and, and that trust, that relationship was broken, and it changed, changes the nature of the relationship. And the difference here is it's not between a sports team and, and other professionals. It's not between uh, us and uh, a friend or a kid or a spouse. This is between us and our sovereign, almighty God, who, who gave us his creation free will to, to choose, right? And guess what? We chose we often choose our own way, and it changes the nature of the relationship when we break that trust relationship. So I want to ask us this question today. How do we rebuild the trust relationship? Today we're continuing our series, uh, The Gears of the Gospel. We're looking through the, uh, it's been eight weeks looking through the letter, Paul's letter to the Romans. And, and, and if, uh, the gospel is just a fancy word. It means good news. And, and we're talking about uh, the good news about Jesus. Why, why is this Jesus stuff good news for us? Well, because God paves the way to rebuild this trust relationship between us and him. And so last week, we looked at uh, the first gear of the gospel, and, and I, I called it everyone, okay? And that's a theme you see, is that everyone is in need of a Savior. Like, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, uh, how good you are, how bad you are, what race you are, how much money you have. It doesn't matter anything. We're all in need of a Savior. And the, the, it, it, for the Roman church, it was the Gentiles with the pagan background, and it was the Jews with the, the super religious background. Everyone was in desperate need of a Savior. Also, everyone has access now to this good news, to Jesus. And so we see that everyone was that first gear. And so today we're going to look at the second gear of the gospel, and we're going to talk about this big idea of faith. And faith is a whole lot like trust. Today, uh, as we get into our text, I want to remind you of the context in case you uh, weren't here last week, but um, Paul was writing, um, not just writing to the Romans for the fun, okay, uh, but, but he was writing for a specific purpose, and one of the big things that was going on in the Roman church was uh, there was a big division going on. You had the Jewish Christians, okay? These people had the word of God, and, and they were steeped in their Jewish traditions and, and how Jesus was the fulfillment of all those things. And they were right. Then you had Gentile Christians who had pagan backgrounds, but they came to the same saving knowledge of Jesus. And, and then uh, it caused tension. They, they had differences on, on how certain things could work out. And the, the big thing was the Jews, Jewish Christians in Rome, uh, thought in addition to following Jesus, you also have to, to follow these Jewish customs and laws. You have to eat the right things and not, you know, stay away from certain things. And, and guys, you got to be circumcised. And uh, who wants to sign up for that, right? And then you have to follow all the festivals and all the days, the whole nine yards. And, and so Paul is about to make it really clear that the laws that they are supposed to follow were never intended to be the end all in our relationship with God. And so we're going to pick up with Romans 3, 21. He says, but, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. 
So you'll see this, this concept pop up several times in, in, today is the law, okay? And the law up to this point was how the Jews identified themselves with God. From their perspective, uh, that God had spoken, God had given him his word, which we have in our Old Testament. It, it, it was ha- what made them different from everyone else because they had it, others didn't. It was what made them special. It was, it was how they defined the nature of their relationship with God up to that point. Picking it up in verse 22, it says, This righteousness is given through faith. In Jesus Christ, to all who believe, there is no difference between Jew or Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And so we see this one little preposition, okay? This one little preposition, a simple little word, through, what mean, that means so much for us today. This righteousness is given through faith. You know, it, it's like a door kind of word, you know, like you go through the kitchen uh, to get to the living room. You, you, know, you have to go through a door. And, and so like faith is a door. You have to go through faith to get to this Jesus guy, to get to all the goodness that God has for us. Faith is the doorway to righteousness. Now, all of sin and are justified freely by his grace. How? Through faith. And now, now faith, is, faith is more than just believing. Okay? Faith, faith is trusting. And you sense the overlap of those terms, but, but trusting goes so much further. I mentioned first service, and Jimmy pulled up a picture on it. I should have a slide, but sorry. Um, but uh, you can go to the Grand Canyon, and uh, have, out, I've never been there, but um, you, they have this glass walkout. Have you all ever seen pictures of that online? Has anyone ever done that on purpose? I mean, done that in person, Steve? Have you done it? No? So they have this glass uh, overlook. You can walk out, you know, you're, you know, you're thousands of feet up, and you can walk out on glass, and you're looking straight down. And, and see, I can look at that and say, I believe that that's going to hold me, right? But if I'm going to trust it, that's a different story, and actually go out on it. Um, I might not do that. But um, <laughs> So faith is more than believing. It, it's trusting. Is taking that step, is doing that thing that we say that, hey, we believe. And so, just as the relationship with us and God was broken between a, a, a broken trust, we get back to the relationship with God by putting our trust back in Him. And this time, He's given us a way, He's paved the way. We put our trust in the finished work of Jesus, our crucified and risen Lord and Savior. So Paul wants to let the Jewish group, you know, he wants them to know that when it comes to being made right with God, that there's something more effective than just following their religious code, their religious laws. That Paul, like Paul himself was a Jew. He, he, was, um, he loved the law, and, and he, so he's not being disrespectful or he's not being uh, throwing out the law. He even points out that the Old Testament law and the prophets, they both point to something else. They're pointing to something more, and that thing is faith. In Jesus, trust in Jesus, because faith in Jesus is the doorway to receiving God's grace. And he goes on, verse 25, he says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood 
to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because his for, in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Now, there's a whole lot of big theological words in these few verses, okay? But I want to point out one of them. That's atonement. The sacrifice of atonement. And so here we have God presenting Christ, Jesus, as a sacrifice of atonement. Now, in Jewish law, uh, you, you see this concept that to find forgiveness of sins, because sin is, is, is a rebellion against God, it's a, it's a assault against God, and so to find forgiveness from sins it would require a, a blood sacrifice, because there's life in the blood. And, and so a priest would offer up sacri sacrifices for the people. These priests served as go-betweens between God and man. And they would, they would sacrifice lambs or bulls, sheep, you know, doves. And um, it was understood, though, that these sacrifices weren't really going to cut it. Because guess what? You're going to sin again. You're going to mess up again. And after all, this is just an animal, and, and you, you sinned against God, and, and so your life is on the line. And, and so it was always understood that these sacrifices weren't, were really insufficient to take away sin. It just kind of kept pushing it back, back, and back, and back. And, uh, and, but when Jesus went to the cross as God in the flesh, willingly, as fully God as fully, and fully man, he was dealing with sin once and for all. And that's what God does for us with just with Jesus. So catch this in this scenario who who owes the debt? Like we, we owe the debt. We're we're the ones that are on the hook. We're the ones that that man, we're up to our eyeballs in debt, okay, with, with God. To whom is payment due? God. But who's the one that makes the payment? Jesus. Jesus is the one who makes the payment, who is God in the flesh. So God is the one that's making the payment for us. And how, how is Paul saying we receive this? Faith is the door, trusting in him. That's amazing. And when you strip back the message of Jesus to the smallest compo components, that's it. Jesus paid it all, and we, we receive that by faith. Continuing in verse 27, he says, Where then is boasting? It is excluded because, because of what law? The law that requires works? No. Because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. See, the works and the law, these are, these are things that we do. These are the things we do on the outside, things, the ways we're trying to look and act and, and let other people see. And, and, and so th there's this tension of the, with law and the works and with this idea that we're justified by faith. Verse 29 says, or is, or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles too? Yes. Of Gentiles too, since there's only one God who will justify the, uh, the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. So we have this tension again with the law that the Jews identified uh, their relationship with God, that they had the law, that they followed this ways. They try hard to make sure they looked, acted right, did right, lived right. And our human tendency shows up here. You know, don't, don't we do the same thing with or without a written law? Don't we try to constantly measure ourselves according to others? 
Don't, don't we constantly compare ourselves to each other? Like, we can say things like, you know, I'm not perfect, but at least I'm not like them, you know? Or, man, our family, man, we, we got our issues, but, man, look at that family over there. And we just, we constantly like, man, I don't struggle like this person. And, and so we'll constantly compare ourselves with other people. And so we, we want to work our way into be, being good enough by sometimes just being better than the next guy. But check this. We don't come to God by what we do, but by realizing what we can't do. We don't come to God by what we do, but by realizing what we can't do, that we need, that we need him to intervene. Like we can't work our way to God. We, we come to him through trusting him. Then we're going to jump to Romans chapter 4, where Paul spends the whole chapter talking about this guy named Abraham, and he uses him as an example of, of what it looks like to, to, to trust in God. Now, Abraham's like the godfather, okay? Like for Jews, uh, and even for us, if, uh, assuming you're not Jewish, um, that Abraham is like the father of faith, and he followed God, he trusted God before the law was written before the Old Testament was written and and before they had all the all the codes to live by and so he uh, he you know he would he did things that we would just complain about or we would argue about or we would freak out about if God had told us to do so so God God told Abraham look I want you to to pack up your stuff all your belongings and all your people your family your your crew and I want you to leave the home that you know and I want you to go to a distant land. Well, where, God? Well, I will show you. Can you imagine that? It sounds so easy just to read it on paper, right? But put yourself in that position, right? And, and so you're, can you imagine the tension that Abraham would felt? But Abraham trusted God. And you know, it, it, just start walking, right? Can you imagine that first step after they packed up? Like, here we go. I guess we will head. Let's head east, okay? Let's go. We're going east. And that first step, you know, uh, where are we going, Abraham? He had no idea. But they were trusting God. And God told him, like, I am going to make you a father, the father of, of many. Told a man who had no kids, who was old in age. And this is before they have a special little pill for that, you know. And so, and his wife was old in age. And, and so, so Abraham heard that news and trusted God. I, you're going to make me the father of many? Hold on. You're going to bless the whole world through me? And as a result, look, he trusted in God, God's word. As a result, Abraham became the father of a nation. And Abraham is probably the most revered person uh, in, in Jewish history. But he's also called the father of faith to those who believe. That's you and me. Check this out, Romans 4, 1 through 4. It says, what shall we say then? Remember, he's talking about uh, the role of faith and all this versus the law. He says, what shall we say then that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, you know, the things he did, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited, but credited as a gift, but as an obligation. And so here, uh, Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. Paul's quoting Genesis 15, 6 uh, uh, in the story of Abraham's journey. And, and he said, you know, Abraham believed he trusted in God. 
He had faith in God. He trusted him. He, and, and, um, and this was before the law was given. Abraham was faithful before the law was ever given. Even though God gave the law, following the law was never how God's people were to come to him. God wants his people to have faith and to trust him. And Romans 4 verse 5 says, However, to the one who does not work but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. So like we too, man, we're, we're, we're just like Abraham. Abraham believed. And, and that's how, uh, that, that's how uh, God viewed him as righteous. And, and so we, not because we follow all the laws just right, not because we're better than so-and-so, not just because we showed up to church all the time or, or we gave this amount or we, or we did our one good deed for the day, right, wherever that came from. And, and so, but we are justified by our faith just like our father Abraham. Jump down to verse 16. It says, Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace, and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, the Jews, right? But also to those who have the faith of Abraham. That's us. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of, the, of, of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being the things that were not. You know, it's really cool to think that our faith in Jesus makes us heirs to this promise that God made to Abraham so many centuries ago. The promise that the whole world will be blessed and, that, and, that, uh, and that, that God will be known through Abraham. And so through all these moving parts, the mechanism of, 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 of the gospel, faith is the gear that gets things going. Your trust is the thing that gets things going. Because God's already done the work. He just wants us to believe in him. He wants us to trust in him. And so to the Roman church, a church that was divided, Jews v. Gentiles, right? They're trusting in, um, in God. This is what brings them together. That's what Abraham did, the godfather of their faith, and, 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 and it impacted everybody. So for us today, you know, one of the most powerful things I could tell you is Jesus is offering you a fresh start. Like he's inviting you to walk through a doorway uh, to, to be clothed in his righteousness by believing and trusting and living for him. Now, you can try your hardest to be a good person, okay? And we, sh we, should, we should strive to be good people, don't get me wrong. But you can try your hardest to be a good person, and one day when your life's actions are left to rehash, your, good, your goodness isn't going to cut it. As if we can stand before God on our own, as if our goodness overcame our sin, which is an outright assault to a sovereign, almighty God. Now, because God's great love for us, he makes a way for us to come to him. He paves that road for us. That's the good news. And he didn't create hoops to jump through. He gave us the law, yes, which was to identify God's people and to show them the best way to live. And, and so we can see our need for him. But in all this, he's saying, trust me. I got this. You know, sometimes we stop trusting God and start trusting ourselves. You know, we're putting ourselves back into works and back into living under the law all over again. 
sometimes we might think we're too we're, we're good enough you know and we start thinking too highly of ourselves, and and we don't see our need for him sometimes we're too busy that we stay so busy that we we don't even slow down enough to see our need for god so i want to uh, share one thing about faith and and then we'll kind of see how this applies to our life but Faith is not a one-and-done kind of thing. Say, so, oh, well, I put my faith in Jesus. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. You know, oh, I trust him, or yeah, I was baptized into him. Faith is not a one-and-done kind of thing. It's not like you faith and then you're done. Like, I faith when I was 12 years old, and so I'm good today, right? That's not how it works. It's like, I, I faith once this week, uh, I'm good. It's not like a vitamin. You take it, you know, whenever you think about it, and, and uh, you oh, I did that today, I'm good. Faith isn't, a, isn't an event. It's, it's something that we do and we step into and it's a way that we walk, okay? It's a way that we live. Just as Abraham took those steps so many years ago. You know, he took that first step. That would have been a big step of faith, wouldn't it? Man, I packed up all my people, all my stuff. I said goodbye to mom and pops, and I'm going east. That's all I know. You know, I, I don't know anything else in that first step. Well, can you imagine they got 50 miles away? What's he still doing? He's still taking steps. He's still waiting for God to show up, and he's still trusting the process and trusting the story that, and God's call in his life. It's not a one-and-done kind of thing. It's not like, oh, I faith already. Uh, and, and so there, there was a time when you probably started trusting him, but the call on your life is to trust him every day. Day by day to live that out. Trusting in his word, trusting in his promises, trusting his call on your life. Trusting the things he says, ultimately trusting in Jesus for your standing with God. It's a trust relationship that God provides a way to make right again. So for you, how do you need to trust him today? Maybe you're here and, and you've never put your trust in Jesus. You never put your faith in him. You never accepted him as your Lord and Savior, been baptized into his name. Maybe for you the first time, that's you. And you say, you know what? I need to put my trust in Jesus because that relationship is not, it, it's broken. It's off. And I want to step onto that road that he's paved for me. Maybe you're coming to realization that he's real and that this stuff, is, it means something. And maybe you're not there yet. That's fine. We, we would love for you to, to, to uh, experience this Jesus guy. Maybe you've put your faith in him, okay? Chances are you have, and, and, and you are reminded of where you've been with him. Because you've been, you know, you got stories, right? You, got, you, you have scars and wounds, and you have ups and downs of your life or your faith, and you're reminded of where, where you've been with him. Maybe the challenge for you today is to stop living your life in such a way that you're trying to be good enough. So I have a challenge for you today, okay? Try this every day this week. Every day declare your trust in Jesus. Because it's not a one-time thing. It's not a one-and-done. Uh, and pick a time of your day that's going to stand out to you. I don't know what your schedule is. Uh, hopefully, you brush your teeth. You know, use that time. Or uh, when you, your feet hit the floor, when your alarm clock goes off and you're a little bit angry about having to get up. Uh, use that time. Uh, maybe breakfast table. Maybe it's your car ride, your commute. Maybe it's when you go to bed at night. Uh, pick a time, whenever it works for you, and declare your faith in Jesus. Like, Jesus, I'm just trusting in you. 
Today I trust in you, Jesus, for making me right with God. I don't deserve it. I don't earn it. There's no way that I can live up to it. But I'm going to trust in you. Make a declaration every day of your faith in Jesus. Because we don't come to God by what we do, but by realizing what we can't do. And that's his call in our life. Trust me. I got this. And just like our father Abraham, we are people of faith.